And now it is time to meet Jonathan Pangborn. It was good to see Benjamin Bratt. Yeah, I always enjoy seeing him. Yeah, he evokes good memories for me since I was raised by Law and Order. <laughs> Whenever I think of Benjamin Bratt, I always picture him in a winter coat with leather gloves on finding a body. <laughs> Welcome to the Marvelous Madams Podcast. We're your hosts, Madam Chris. And I'm Madam Amy. We are burdened with the glorious purpose of talking all things Marvel. Madams, assemble. Amy, did you bring your shovel for this recording? No. Should I have? Um, yeah. Yeah, to scoop up our brains after watching the Multiverse of Madness trailer. It is yeah. dumb luck, everybody, that we're recording this episode on Doctor Strange on the same day the trailer got dropped. Well, technically it came out last night. Yes. But, oh, by the way, happy Valentine's, everyone. Yeah. Says the married woman. <laughs> Says the married woman who understands that Valentine's Day is nothing more than commercial nonsense to get people to buy teddy bears and candy and God knows what else. True. Agreed. It's not like I'm doing anything either for Valentine's. Yes. Well, I say today because for those of us like me who are 84 years old, we weren't able to stay up for the entire game last night <laughs> to see said trailer. Uh, so instead, we ran immediately to our computers this morning and uh, lost our collective minds. Yep, true. Agreed. I saw it in bed first thing in the morning. And I decided this is too much for first thing in the morning. Yeah. Tell me about it. Um, mm -hmm. We will say right now, we have already come to the agreement that we will not engage in wild speculation. No matter how badly we want to and when she says we she means her my husband won't enable me either <laughs> they're all ganging up on me uh-huh yep no this movie see generally when we when we record a movie we tend to watch it twice before we feel like we can confidently speak about it this is more like a five watch movie i think so yeah yeah i can't quite wrap my head around everything i saw um i told my husband this morning you're taking leave on may 6th and 7th <laughs> so that nothing can possibly get in our way i don't know if i'm more excited for this or for no way home i i can't even compare yeah i don't know i mean i'm certainly excited for it but I'm still yet to see No Way Home, so I don't know. I, I don't know. I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All I do know is that I am going to have uh, nightmares tonight about Elizabeth Olsen because, ah. <laughs> <laughs> but one thing's for sure, I will be watching this in the theater. I don't think I can wait. No, no, you better yeah. not. And with the special effects, it's going to be insane. So here's the last of what I will say. Think about this one, everybody. If they were willing to drop Charles Xavier in a trailer, imagine what they're hiding. 
And with that, we move on to Doctor Strange, the first movie. (laughs) (laughs) So I absolutely, positively love this movie. And I think it is very underrated. Yeah, it is. You know, people talk so much about the special effects of like Guardians and stuff like that. But this one is chock full of some crazy shit. This was groundbreaking, I think. At the time, I had never seen anything like these visuals before. Like, this was one of those movies for me that was an experience. Mm-hmm. There were times watching it on that huge screen where, where I couldn't tell if I was excited or nauseous. <laughs> oh, I was actually thinking about that. So mm-hmm. this is probably the first time I'm watching this movie since I've known you. And I was thinking that whole astral projection thing, how did you deal with that? Oh, I was fine with the astral projection. It's the reality bending that gets me. Oh, I see. Yeah, all the drops and the gravity all over the place. Yeah, Mm -hmm. that's the tough one for me. Falling through things, that falling sensation. (laughs) Oh. Okay. So when you see people's lists of like their top five favorite Marvel movies, best Marvel movies, this isn't one you see on people's lists. And I think there's a reason for that. I think this is the deepest, thematically, the meatiest of all the Marvel movies. It's like a lot of people will say Godfather 2 is a better movie than Godfather 1, but Godfather 1 is much more rewatchable than two because two is a rough movie to get through and that's how i feel about this it's a very heavy movie and this is only my fourth time watching it i saw it when it came out and i saw it for the rewatches that my husband and i did for infinity war and endgame and even though i love it even though it's fantastic i have avoided it subconsciously because it is so heavy and i knew this time it was going to bring up a lot of stuff, just like Sylvie did last summer. Yeah, yeah. This movie, it is an original story, but it's dealing with a lot of philosophical stuff and the human condition. Yes. Yeah, and just letting everybody know in advance, probably going to be some tears today. There were some tears watching it, so mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. buckle up. I also think this is one of Marvel's best cast movies. I agree with you that the casting has been fantastic, as with, you know, almost all the other Marvel movies and shows, with a few notable exceptions. But there has been some controversy regarding Tilda Swinton being cast as the Ancient One. So in the comics, the Ancient One is an elderly Tibetan man. But... Of course, we know Tilda Swinton is very, very white. You don't say. (laughs) I don't know why they decided to go with her, but she certainly did a good job. Yeah, I didn't know that going into the movie at any point. So I've always found her perfect for this role in the job Mm -hmm. that she did. And uh, we'll cover her more throughout the episode. And we are going to go through this movie piece by piece, everybody. but. Before we do, I I have to hand it to Mr. Cumberbatch 
he was born to play this role. He is much like J. Jonas Jameson and J.K. Simmons. He's right out of the comics. Mm -hmm. Yeah, true. And he's surprisingly attractive in this movie. He's surprisingly attractive in the trailer. I'd have gotten in that bed with him. I'll fix your nightmare. <laughs> I think that was Evil Strange. Don't care. <laughs> Why do I even try? You know, it's funny. I'm, I'm with you because on screen, in performances, I generally do not find him attractive. The only times on screen I have found him attractive are as Doctor Strange and as Khan in uh, Star Trek Into Darkness. When he's out in the world as his normal self, I generally do find him attractive. It's just, he plays the weirdest friggin' roles. The man, I don't know when he sleeps. He has to be one of the most prolific actors in Hollywood at this point. Okay, fair. I haven't seen much of him besides Sherlock and Doctor Strange, of course. I don't know. There's something about his face that I never really cared for. Besides Sherlock in the BBC Sherlock is a bit of a douche. And I don't quite like that character. That's putting it mildly. <laughs> I'm trying to be kind, okay? <laughs> yeah, Sherlock I, I loved, but I wouldn't want him anywhere near my bed. No, thank you. Overall, I would say Mr. Cumberbatch is my second favorite actor. If I see him in something, I'll watch it just for his performance. Or I'll get through six and a half minutes of it like I did with The Power of the Dog. I'm sorry, sir. I love you. You're fantastic. But you are not a Montana rancher. Nope. <laughs> Wait, didn't we see a trailer of him being an American soldier in something? Yes. Oh, the Mauritanian, I think. And that was oh, another no. one where I said, nope. <laughs> okay, so a lot of people talk about Captain America the Winter Soldier as being like the best cold open for a Marvel movie. I have to disagree now after rewatching this because this opening is just incredible. I would disagree there. No. I mean, if you have to compare the two of them, I'd say Captain America the Winter Soldier any day. This one, I mean, it was not unique. You know what I mean? Oh, I think it was. Try and think back to when you first saw it. Here's what I mean. Here's my reasoning. So this cold open, it quickly introduces two main characters. we got the Ancient One and Caecilius, and we understand the conflict immediately. Mm -hmm. And there's also a little bit of foreshadowing with future conflict, because we're told that uh, the Ancient One is a hypocrite in some way. Mm -hmm. And it also whets our appetite for these incredible visuals. That I agree with, yes. It grabs our attention, and not only for the like the reality-bending visuals, but we've never seen this magic before. True, yes. And it also establishes that this movie, and thus its characters, are going to straddle these two worlds. Because we start out in the sanctum, and then we end up in the real world. Right. When you put it that way, it makes sense. So we have Caecilius... And his crew invading the Sanctum Sanctorum to steal the dark magic tomes, we shall call them. I can't <laughs> call these books. They're so much more than books. And I think it was crucial for them to show us Caecilius immediately because of who they cast. Mads Mikkelsen creeps me the fuck out. 
I love him. I absolutely adore that man. He is fantastic. He is. He is one of the creepiest fuckers on the planet. And his, his whole bloodline creeps me out, okay? His brother is creepy too. His brother was on Sherlock as Charles Augustus <laughs> Magnuson and turned my fucking stomach. Yeah, but I mean, okay, fair. He has that sort of look to him, but he's an amazing actor. Oh, he is. No question. And casting like that is like its own kind of exposition. You see Mads Mikkelsen, you know what you're dealing with. You know what you're yeah. about to get. Yeah. I actually would love to see him play a good guy once. I don't think it's possible with that face. So Mads Mikkelsen is Danish and he tends to play these bad guy roles in uh, American and basically English speaking sh stuff. Whereas in original Danish entertainment, he actually tends to play like the guy next door. I wouldn't be able to see him that way. Not anymore. <laughs> Not after all the villains after he's Hannibal. played. After Hannibal, after Casino Royale, after this, after everything. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he's amazing. I love him. I love him. I'd watch anything he's in. So the Ancient One is trying to stop Caecilius and his crew. And one of the reasons I think she's perfect, because she's not creepy, but... Well, you don't really see her face for a very, just, very long time. You don't. And that's important because she is kind of unknowable. Mm-hmm. Enigmatic. And Tilda Swinton has a blankness about her facial features that was perfect for this. And her face itself tends to lend to that as well. Yes. The way you say about Matt Mickelson, there's something about her that's just otherworldly. Yeah. She's almost ethereal. I mean, under certain lighting, she might just look like that normally. I think she might. I don't think it's about <laughs> lighting. And I can say this. I was just saying to Amy, I'm having one of those days where I can literally see all of my the blood vessels under my eyes through my skin today. That's one of the whitest women I have ever seen. By the way, purely out of curiosity, can you please send me a picture of this? I want to see this. <laughs> I, I'm not joking. I'm serious. <laughs> Today's lesson on Amy's Caucasian education. <laughs> so while there is definitely the whitewashing issue here with Swinton, I do give them credit for turning the character into a woman instead. Mm -hmm. And I feel like while it is an issue for them to have whitewashed her, I do think that having her on kept them away from defaulting into certain tropes, like the elderly, wise Asian man guiding our, you know, superhero. That is true, like a Mr. Miyagi type. So one could argue in a way that it needed a change, possibly, because of stereotypes, if the comics had been, you know, based in stereotype. Fair, but we could always take a stereotype, like we've seen in some on the other shows that we've had since then, where they've taken things and done away from the stereotypes, actively stepped away while keeping the diversity, you know? 
True. And I also like that throughout the movie, the Ancient One is never portrayed as a maternal figure. Oh, no, not at all. She is very in your face, despite Mm -hmm. that calm, steady energy. I want to be her friend. We would get along famously. Well, your energy and her energy, I mean, I hope it would make you calmer. This is calm. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) You just grew up with a much lower baseline. Yeah, my baseline is like quarter of an inch above the ground. (laughs) So we have this brief fight here that gives us just a little taste of what we're going to see in this movie. And then we come back out onto the street in the real world. Yeah, it sort of whets our appetite. And we then have the ancient one walking through the streets looking rather out of place. (laughs) Just a little. Although, I mean, New York, not that crazy. Perhaps. Did she have a flower in her hand? That's the key. Flowers, pamphlet. If you've got flowers or a pamphlet in your hand, you can pretty much get away with wearing anything in the city. (laughs) Good to know. So now we head over to the hospital where Dr. Stephen Strange is showing off. And that is his default. I do like that when we see him for the first time, we see him scrubbing and we see his hands. Good point. And then later on, we again see a similar scene after the accident and he's trying to shave. He's following the same pattern and his hands are shaking. So how far he's fallen, I suppose, would be the term. And great character exposition here. We're in surgery, brain surgery, because he's a neurosurgeon. And we understand immediately this guy is a genius because neurosurgeon, number one. (laughs) But he's also a music encyclopedia while performing brain surgery. Yeah. So he can multitask. Oh, yes. Without question. We're going to see him do quite a lot of that in this movie. Mm Mm-hmm. So brilliant doctor. And we also see that Christine Palmer, played by the wonderful Rachel McAdams, is also a brilliant doctor, one he respects. Yes, he does. And it seems like she's the only one he gives a shit about. Yes. I think throughout the whole movie, Cumberbatch and McAdams play off each other very well. And yeah, it's in the little things. And, you know, Aim, you've said before that it drives you crazy. Like Idris Elba is an example. When they get these great actors to play these small roles, and you're like, why? It's such a waste. This is why. Because Rachel McAdams elevates every scene she's in. True, but you can't help but wish that there's more of them, right? Well, we'll be seeing more of her in May in some capacity, because I don't know quite what she was doing. I don't know. It seemed like she was getting married. Yeah, yeah, it did. Yep. Mm-hmm. I wonder to whom. Anyway, (laughs) it's very telling after this surgery when Strange and Christine go give the good news to the patient's family. You can see that Christine is genuinely warm. Can't hear anything, but you see it. She's warm with the family, whereas Strange is uncomfortable. And he gives this like obligatory half a hug and he can't get out of there fast enough. Correct. That scene actually reminded me a lot of the show House, 
Yes. Yeah, there is a lot of overlap between Stephen Strange and Gregory House, not the least of which uh, pretending to be American. (laughs) Well, that and of course, Benedict Cumberbatch has played Sherlock and House is an inspiration from Sherlock. That is absolutely true. I never made that connection in my mind. Mm -hmm. Another thing that's abundantly clear is that like many surgeons, we'll say in his defense, like many surgeons, he is an egomaniac. Yeah, but in this scenario, he seemed like they're really pushing the fact that he is beyond the normal in terms of his narcissism. Yeah, well, he's beyond the normal in terms of ability, so it makes sense that he would be beyond the norm in his faults as well. Well, that's true, yeah. Yeah. The part where he speaks about not ruining his perfect record, that didn't sit well with me. No, it's not supposed to. Yeah. He doesn't care about saving lives of ordinary people. He cares about his image, his research. He just wants to show the world how brilliant he is and be lauded for it. Correct. And helping people is, is just a happy accident exactly. in the process. Yeah. He's a complete and utter asshole. No question. Yeah, absolutely. Again, exactly like House. Right. The only thing missing is a cane and a limp. <laughs> Hands instead. <laughs> yep. So even though Strange may be the more brilliant doctor... I actually think Christine Palmer is the better doctor. Yeah, because she actually cares. Yeah, her humanity. Mm -hmm. And she understands him completely. Whereas, you know, like any narcissist at that level, Strange has no self-awareness, no concept of introspection. Yeah, for him, it's all about the external. Yes, no emotional intelligence in this man whatsoever there's too much ego in the way yeah i think there is but it's like you said there's too much ego in the way and in this little interaction we have in christine telling him it's always about you you understand both why she was drawn to him and why the relationship didn't work Mm -hmm. i come out of this scene proud of christine palmer for having dumped his ass Yeah, I agree. And there's no question that she is the one who ended things. (laughs) (laughs) And that's why you cast Rachel McAdams. What makes you so sure? Gee, I don't know. Well, it has everything to do with the fact that he's the one who's horribly insecure. Not her. True. Yep. I have very complicated feelings about Stephen Strange in general, as I do for Gregory House. Uh, a character mm-hmm. that I loved till season five, and then I got off of that train. Nope. <laughs> yeah, he got a bit much. Yeah. And, you know, when people have complicated feelings, that is a sign of both a well-written and a well-played character. Yeah. So coming into this, I am the, like, ultimate biased juror, because I don't like doctors on principle. <laughs> <laughs> yep, true. You know, I have no doubt that if I had gone to Stephen Strange at any point, you know, from from the ages of 12 to like 30, he'd have treated me like absolute garbage, just like he does with uh, Pangborn. We're going to find out. But I always 
have to keep in mind that there is a lot of truth to the idea that doctors, in Strange's case, especially surgeons, need to keep a certain amount of clinical detachment in order to do what they do. And obviously, Strange takes that too far because the patient doesn't matter at all to him. Correct. For him, it's more about a series of charts and reports than it is about a human being. And yes, you know, you need to have the detachment because if you have a bad case or you fail, it can ruin you. Yeah. And you also can't think about a person as a person if your hands are in their chest or their brain. Correct. Yeah. It's just the organ. Yeah. It has to just be, all right, let's dip into this bag of meat. As my husband likes to put it so often. (laughs) So now it's time to get ready for a gala. God, I hate that word. That's one of the most pretentious (laughs) words in the English language, isn't it? If I disagree, will that make me sound pretentious? No, because I know you. (laughs) But you may sound pretentious (laughs) to others. (laughs) Because I know that you do not attend galas. No. I do not appreciate attending them, but... Yes, so as he's getting ready, we see this is a very wealthy man, of course, who likes stuff. Oh, I love his watch collection. I knew you would. And with the rotating, oh my god, I'm in love. I mean, there were at least a dozen Rolexes in there, right? Not just Rolexes, there were different brands. Okay. Yeah. I wouldn't know. Okay, now that clearly just makes me sound pretentious. Yes, I know, I know. (laughs) He's got this incredible penthouse on the river with the view, his super fancy car. I love the car. Of course, you care more about the car in the accident than you care about him. Yes. Hey, okay, that was what if, all right? Okay, (laughs) it was an animated show. And I will not deny that in some other movies, like the James Bond movies, when they're having car chases, I'm cringing for the car. I know James Bond will be fine. Well, you're definitely not cringing for Daniel Craig. We know your feelings on that. Well, yes. (laughs) I love the setup for all of this. It's the perfect way to set up a fall for a narcissist of this level. Because this is 100% entirely his fault. There is no one else to blame. Yes, it is. And it's kind of interesting, keeping aside the narcissism of Doctor Strange, car crashes tend to be because of speeding for the most Mm -hmm. part, right? And he being a doctor, he had a girlfriend who worked in the ER. He must have seen his share of really bad crashes. He may have even worked in some of them. Absolutely. But the fact that he was speeding the way he was and be, get, and getting distracted, he has this sense of invulnerability of it happens to them, not me. I'm above them. I'm above the regular yes. folk. I heal them. That's what I do. Nothing can possibly happen to me. Mm-hmm. I'm destined for greatness. Don't make me say it. You're baiting say me. Say what? Everybody, we're on video with each other right now. She's got the look (laughs) on her face like the cat who ate the canary because she wants me. Damn it, I'm walking right into it and I can't help it. She wants me to say glorious purpose and now she got me to do it. Your fault. I 
honestly did not think of that. Uh-huh. Sure. I swear. <laughs> <laughs> so he is driving like a maniac in the rain and concentrating on something on his phone. That's the trifecta. All mm-hmm. he needs is a beer in his lap, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I have no sympathy whatsoever for him with, with this accident. Honestly, he's lucky he didn't kill anybody else. True. Actually, you know, before the crash, there was this one little Easter egg. We, of course, know about the 45-year-old army vet who got crushed. That's, of course, uh, Rhodey. But there is another one, which is a 22-year-old woman with schizophrenia with an electronic implant in her brain was struck by lightning. So that was the case he was dealing with when he crashed. So this could be the reference to a superhero named Madeline Joyce, otherwise known as Miss America. And now Miss America is also called America Chavez. Very, very interesting and will not help Mm -hmm. me sleep. (laughs) I'm just adding fuel to your fire, aren't I? Yeah, yeah, just kerosene. Yep. Mm -hmm. This accident scene is so well done. It's really scary. Yeah, and the effect of it was done really well, too. We see his hands getting crushed and, you know, the slow-mo and all fantastically done. It's very jarring. It's one of those visceral, this-could-happen-to-you moments. Yeah, yeah. Because we've all had one of those moments, whether we're driving the car or whether we're a passenger in a car, where you have a close call. Yeah, that can be shit scary at, at that time. So Strange wakes up in the hospital like something out of Hellraiser. Well, yeah, it looked really gruesome. The the pins and all of that. Yeah. Christine is right there for him being supportive. She is the best person in this movie. She is. Absolutely. And frankly, she deserves better. Oh, I agree. And she knows that too, which is why she dumped Mm -hmm. his ass. True. He wakes up, he's in pain, and immediately, of course, sees his hands because they're suspended in front of him. And, I mean, his whole world just collapses right then and there. Yeah. And from his reaction right there, you know, he's not taking responsibility at all. It's about what did you do to me? With with his hands, yes. Yeah. And that's the ultimate irony is that maybe, just maybe, he could have done better. And he has to live with that knowledge now. See, that's a trope that we've seen before in some other media. I'm not sure where. I remember it from somewhere. But that's not true. He's a neurosurgeon. What they did with his hands was connected to bones and tissue first. It doesn't matter if it's accurate. What matters is what he believes. His perception. Mm -hmm. That's what counts. You know, I did forget to mention, though, since we're talking about Christine, the absolute best thing about Strange's tragedy is that no women were harmed in the making of it. Yeah, that's true. Instead, what we get is women standing up for themselves in this movie and standing up to him and giving him Mm -hmm. his business. Yeah. Yeah, which he desperately needs. Oh, yes. Come to think of it, the Ancient One and Christine are the strongest characters in this movie. Yeah, 
And this movie has a lot to do with strength. As huge as Stephen Strange's ego is, not just ego, but his intellect, his knowledge, he's this larger-than-life presence, he had to have this accident in just this way to truly make him feel powerless. Yeah, absolutely. But the problem is that he could have chosen to turn things around and make it a strength, if you will. But he chose instead to go down the path of denial and anger. And that's where things get complicated for me. Mm -hmm. I think Cumberbatch does an exceptional job with the physical aspect of this, with the shaking hands. Yeah. Looking at his hand, Strange realizes that if this continues, if he can't fix this, he will never be a surgeon again. And yeah. that's, that's a no for him. He's not willing to accept that. So he undertakes a mission to fix his hands and regain that control that he's lost. And I get it. I've been there. Yeah, I get it too. For Strange, it's his hands that were taken away. For me, it was my brain. When lupus first hit me at 12 years old, and brought all kinds of uh, fun symptoms with it, it uh, took away my brain, cognitive abilities. And at the time, that was my whole identity. I was the smart kid, got straight A pluses all through elementary school. And my entire sense of self was attached to my grades and my placement in honors classes. But Within just a couple of months, my brain went from being a strange car, you know, some Lamborghini or something like that, to, uh, let's say, an old VW Bug. And I had absolutely no idea how to cope with that. And, Amy, you said denial and rage. That's because it's like an existential death. And we see Stephen Strange grieve in this movie for his hands, for the life he lost in the same way that a person experiences the stages of death. Denial, rage, bargaining, all of it. And as somebody who's been through that in much the same way, I, I can attest they do it so, so well. True. I understand where you're coming from. And... While I personally haven't experienced this, I've lived with my dad who went through something like that. He was a very active man and he loved going out, partying. He was a social person and he took pride in himself, in the way he looked, in the way he dressed. And soon after I was born, he started having symptoms. So what he had was a very rare disease, but basically what it did was that his brain started dying and he started having trouble moving, walking, talking and all that sort of stuff. So I, I used to see him get frustrated and I understand that. And now, you know, being much older, I understand it better. But I also saw him trying to make the best of it. That's not to say one should just give up and, you know, let it be. Of course not. You try to do your very best. Like you, Chris, did that and you've made the best of your life and you've 
you know, grown into this wonderful human being. In his case, there wasn't much chance for him to improve. It was a genetic thing and his body was basically giving up. Yet, I never saw him getting angry and getting frustrated the way we see Strange do that. You know, he always tried to make the best of it. He always tried to be happy and jovial and do what he could with what he had. Right. And we're going to see Strange get to that point. You've got to go through Mm -hmm. the other phases first before you can get to that level of acceptance. Yeah. Or else we wouldn't have a movie. Well, yeah. And I mean, it's life, right? You have to go through the phases till you reach a certain point. That's how we grow. Yes. And it is important to acknowledge that it's very much a choice that a lot of people just get stuck. True. Yes. Now, one of the things that's helped me over the years come to my level of acceptance is a whole lot of books. I read two to three of them a week. And nowadays, I often struggle to find new books that I like. If you have the same trouble, then check out Not Before Coffee, a bookish podcast. This is Not Before Coffee. I'm Ray, an avid reader, wannabe writer, long-term depression sufferer, and caffeine addict. Whether you're a big reader, have a specific genre you really enjoy, or just starting out and want a bit of inspiration, you'll find something here. Every Monday you'll get a new episode all about the books I've been reading, everything from murder mysteries and contemporary romance, to mythology and science fiction, as well as updates on books I've added to my incredibly tall to-be-read pile, and other books that have caught my eye. I also talk about my lifetime of experience with various mental health diagnoses and how I cope with them on a daily basis. So, where does the coffee come in, you may be asking. Well, I can't function on any day of the week before I've had at least my third cup of the roasted bean. Welcome to the interesting world that is my brain with every single episode of Not Before Coffee. You can find it wherever you get your podcast fix. So to his credit, Stephen Strange is not shunning physical therapy like uh, Gregory House shunned all kinds of talk therapy. We see him working. (laughs) Okay, not happily, but we see him doing the work with a physical therapist. Yeah. And he calls his therapist bachelor's degree. Uh Uh-huh. Oh, you (laughs) asshole. (laughs) If I was his physical therapist at that time, I would have tightened those bands a lot. <laughs> and what's great here is that we see another person who is better than Stephen Strange. He is surrounded by people better than him all the time and doesn't know it, doesn't see it. Well, I mean, it's kind of a low bar. It is. And the irony is that when the therapist tells Strange about the special case, Jonathan Pangborn, uh, the paralyzed man who's now walking, Strange doesn't even recognize that it's this guy's compassion that drives him to tell Strange about Pangborn. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I also think it's more than just compassion. Of course, a lot of people get into healthcare, especially as physical therapists and nurses and such, because they have compassion for people. But he's also trying to rise above Strange's behavior 
and prove him wrong. And prove him wrong. And that is something that physical therapists, especially because they're working with people who are really struggling, end up bearing the brunt of a lot of frustration from their patients. They do. Yeah, I've seen it myself. I've spent enough time in physical therapy to see it. Mm -hmm. It was very difficult watching Strange Struggle. Another instance of Cumberbatch doing this so well, trying to shave, trying to do those, those basic life necessities. Oh, that brought back a lot of painful stuff. Yeah, it's something that you don't think about till you can't do it. Exactly. So many people, and this is something, you know, I struggle with in my own life um, with my husband who, you know, every week Google something. He has, he feels a twinge. He feels the slightest soreness. And just this last week, he was having an issue in his neck, having a stiff neck. He just couldn't put two and two together or wouldn't that. We raised his adjustable bed because I'm like, I'm tired of the mouth breathing. The mouth breathing must stop. Raise the goddamn <laughs> bed. And okay. he, he wasn't using the right pillow anymore. And he just like needed to change the pillow. But he's like, well, I should probably stop Googling my neck or my tightness issue because it says I have MS. And I just lost my mind. I said, <laughs> would you stop it? You're fucking fine. You've always been fine. <laughs> You know, there is a joke. If you if you Google, you've got a sore throat, it tells you you've got cancer. Yes, pretty much anything <laughs> can tell you you've got cancer. Exactly. But yes, healthy people, and this isn't a criticism. It's just a general fact of life that healthy people take a lot of things for granted. And I'm not saying there aren't things I take for granted in my own life. I live in a first world country. You know, I, I completely understand that I am privileged in many ways. But I have known the the struggle of health and illness. So that I can, you know, bring to the table. Yeah, absolutely. So all these treatments and all these efforts that Strange is making, um, they kind of cost a little money. Yeah, just a bit, you know, a couple of dollars here and there. Yeah. And since Stephen Strange is such a narcissist and doesn't think he needs to save for a rainy day or and the world will just fall at his feet all the time, doesn't exactly have a nest egg. Yeah, but actually I was a bit confused. So as an American, perhaps you could help me. He's a high-profile surgeon. He works at a presumably good hospital. Shouldn't his expenses be covered by his insurance? Expenses, yes, but what he's doing doesn't fall under treatments. He's doing this on his own. He's gone rogue with all these treatments he's trying. Right, the experimental treatments, sure. Yes. But physical therapy shouldn't. Oh, sure, physical therapy. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about Uh all the people he's contacting, the other doctors, the consults, all of that kind of stuff. The extra surgery wouldn't be covered because that's experimental. Mm-hmm. So this and God knows all the different places he's probably flying to on his own dime. He, this is a desperate man and money's not going to be an object to him. Correct. And he still believes that he can recover and you know, make the money back once he's a surgeon. Right. So we see his apartment virtually empty. He sold everything off. And this is another moment where I empathize with him as the struggling person, but also empathize with Christine as the person who's trying to cope with an asshole. Yeah, true. And I'm so proud of her here too. Yeah, because he's lashing out 
because of someone else on her. Completely not warranted and undeserved. No. And deep down, as we'll see later in the movie too, he knows that. He treats Christine like absolute shit here. But it's not out of hate. It's not out of disgust or contempt. It's out of fear. He he is absolute. It's not an excuse, but it's a, a reason as to why. He's terrified. You know, there are all kinds of things in this world that can scare us. But there's something particularly terrifying when there is something wrong with your body and your own body is working against you and you don't know how to fix it. And you've done everything the so-called experts have told you to do. And it's still not working. You don't know how much worse it might get. It is just visceral. And beyond the fear, I think there's envy in it too, because Christine Palmer is still a surgeon. Yes. She hasn't lost anything yet. Yeah. And it also comes down to the fact that because he doesn't know how to give compassion, Stephen Strange also doesn't know how to receive it. Yeah. For him, getting compassion means being pitied. Right. And that is something that his ego will not accept. And, well, to be fair, nobody likes to be pitied. He equates compassion with weakness. I am going to guess that Stephen Strange had a very cold, very domineering father. Or mother. Um, For him, I'm going to go with father. Okay. Yeah. Therapist could retire on this guy. (laughs) If he could pay them. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) Yeah, but I get what you're saying because I personally have grown up with a very cold family. And of course, not within the family, but from outside the family, when I would get compliments or any kind of affection, I didn't know how to deal with it. I still don't know how to deal with it. I I feel weird. I can attest to that. Yep. (laughs) She hates me sometimes, you know, when I (laughs) say stuff. It's such a great scene because these two have such great chemistry. And I give Christine so much credit for walking away from him. Yes. If she didn't walk away from him at that time, I probably would have lost a little respect for her. Exactly. Number one, that's a very difficult thing for her to do, to walk Mm -hmm. away from someone she cares about who is in pain. Yes. And two, This is a moment where if any woman comes along and says, what a bitch, how could she do that? Nope, nope. You shut that shit down immediately because this is one of those moments where a woman has to put herself first. She has done her best to help and support this man, but there has to be a limit. Even in a relationship, if they were still together, there has to be a limit. Christine here will not take his abuse, nor will she continue to watch him make this slide. Because if she did, she would just be enabling him after a while. Yes, she would. Let's think about it this way. Strange right now is panicking. He desperately needs to get fixed. If we change the word a little bit and say he desperately needs a fix, Would we think that Christine leaving 
would be a bad thing. That's a really great comparison. Spot on. And also, just because someone is in pain, that doesn't give them the right to treat other people like garbage. Absolutely. Yes. And an emotionally healthy person is only going to put up with that shit for so long before they say enough is enough. Correct. And yeah, you know, there is something to say about standing by someone you care for who is going through a bad period like cancer or some other kind of life-threatening disease, but not at the expense of your own well-being. Right. And sometimes in this case, the best thing you can do for them is to walk away. Yeah. Sometimes that's the jolt they need. Right. And this is why you cast the way you do, because Rachel McAdams makes Christine Palmer such a strong character, and she does so much with the little screen time that she has. She does. True. And she doesn't get go down to his level. She doesn't scream back. She just walks away. And now it is time to meet Jonathan Pangborn. It was good to see Benjamin Bratt. Yeah, I always enjoy seeing him. Yeah, he evokes good memories for me since I was raised by Law and Order. <laughs> Whenever I think of Benjamin Bratt, I always picture him in a winter coat with leather gloves on finding a body. <laughs> I think of him more from miscongeniality. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm just um, not a big fan of that movie. I know it's very well loved. Just uh, never did it for me. Okay. Um, partnership over. Give me a break. That's the only comedy I've ever heard you say you enjoy. <laughs> well, yeah, so that means a lot to me. We can't be friends anymore. So I love the irony that years before, Pangborn had actually tried to see Strange for his spinal injury. And of course, this wasn't high profile enough for him. So Strange said, fuck you. Yeah. And Strange thought that he couldn't be treated. Mm -hmm. So I understand where Pangborn is coming from. Yeah. And again, it's out of compassion that he confides the secret to Strange. True. And that secret is that he didn't heal his body. He healed his mind and the body took care of itself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that is what sends Stephen Strange to Nepal, headed to Kamertaj. Right. So here's the question. Has anyone ever looked more out of place than Benedict Cumberbatch in Nepal? In that particular setting, sure, I'd understand, but... I remember ranting about a certain white man in Brazil wearing a red sweatshirt, running from oh. people and trying to hide. Yes, yes, yes. Some, some name I recollect sounded like Schmedward Schmorton. I can't <laughs> quite wrap my memory around it. Yeah, yeah. That was supposed to be an origin story for a certain green superhero, which made me see red. He also reminded me here a little bit of uh, Marcus Brody in Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, walking around Cairo. Does anyone here speak English? Anyone? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but at least he's not that quite that clueless, for sure. No. And I think he smells a lot worse than Marcus. He's not looking too fresh. Uh, true. Yeah. I mean, he did spend his last penny. I don't think he thought about hotels. No. While he was finding. Yeah. And 
this is again where things get complicated for me because I have tremendous respect for Strange here for what he's doing, the lengths he's going to in order to heal himself. Mm -hmm. He doesn't stop fighting. He doesn't give up. Even if right now he's fighting for the wrong reasons, for the egotistical reasons, he won't take no for an answer. And I mean, this is how I've led my life the last 22 years. If I had taken no for an answer at 13, I would be completely miserable or dead by now. No question. Yeah, I get what you're saying. Of course, your situation was a lot, was very different and life-threatening as well. For me, it was a different situation. A couple of years ago, I had digestive issues, which led me to be in serious pain all the time. And I was actually in a similar situation as strange because work was my identity. And because of that, I wasn't able to work. I wasn't a productive person. And that for me was my entire identity. I was my job. And I believed that if I wasn't a productive member of society, if I wasn't working, I wasn't doing something, I wasn't worthy to exist, you know? So I went to a lot of doctors as well to try to find a cure to get some sort of treatment. But all of them basically said, you've got to live with it. There's nothing we can do. And I refused to take that as an answer. And I tried alternative, you know, methods of therapy, much like strangers trying right now. And finally, I was able to find a treatment. I'm not cured, but it's manageable. Clearly, I'm working. Yeah, I mean, later on, the ancient one is going to start pulling out books and like acupuncture and chakras. And she just goes through each one. I'm like, yeah, I've done that. Yep, yep. Every week. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm doing that tomorrow. Yep. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. I will say this, though, one way Cumberbatch has a leg up, at least on me. He does the scraggly hobo look very well. <laughs> I don't look that good when I'm scraggly and in pain and just a mess. Well, nobody looks that good. And let's be honest, that beard looked really, really bad. He he looked like a rat. Yeah, he doesn't look good with a beard in general. It doesn't fit his face well. I can see that clearly in that particular section. So some muggers come upon Strange here and we see that he only has one possession left to his name and that is the watch he's wearing. Yeah, and we don't see which watch it is exactly, but, but Strange refuses to let go of it. Yeah, and that is going to be important because later in the movie we are going to see that it is from Christine. And then five years later, we're going to wake up in the morning and watch a trailer and see that same fucking watch staring at us on our computer screens. <laughs> what does it mean? And who does it belong to? Well, it is the watch that he wore when he crashed. And yes. it was stuck on the time that it crashed. Yes, that's correct. But did more than one Stephen Strange have that accident? Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> so just in the nick of time, even though they do get a few licks in here, Strange is saved by Mordo, who has been shadowing him. Yes. 
Which of us is going to attempt to say this man's name properly? Not me. You're the worst. <laughs> so, Chiwetel Ejiofor plays Mordo in this movie. And we're going to see him again. We just saw him in the trail this morning. He's fantastic. Yes, he is. People, if you haven't seen 12 Years a Slave, I know it's a rough one, but you got to watch it. Yeah, he is amazing at that movie. Yeah, and so is Cumberbatch. He's in it too. Almost forgot about that. I don't remember that. Yeah. Okay. And he tells Strange, forget everything you think you know. Yeah, and that is something about alternative therapy that we need to deal with, right? Absolutely. That's the key. Yeah. Be going in with an open mind. Yes. And specifically forgetting everything because a lot of what you think you know is just plain wrong Mm -hmm. that's definitely been the case for me yeah but strange thinks that's rather strange really (laughs) i was waiting for a reaction (laughs) that's the level we're at right now hey hey i can't help it okay i can't i have to do it at least once so What we were discussing earlier with the whitewashing of the Ancient One, this next scene kind of plays into this. We enter Comertage and it's stereotyping, right? That Strange comes in, he sees an elderly Asian man and just assumes he's the Ancient One. Correct. You know, when, when I saw the movie originally, I didn't know about this controversy. I don't know if they were trying to play it out as a fake out to show that that strange is stereotyping or it's kind of like a wink wink kind of moment that they were trying to play with the audience. It worked for me, no matter what Mm -hmm. they were trying to do. Right. You know, I think that the ancient one kind of did that on purpose. When she gave strange the tea, she thanks Mordo and... She thanked that master as well. She did this on purpose. She wanted to have strange, uncomfortable, and sort of off balance. Mm -hmm. And we see a kind of humility in her right away. The fact that she's not having an underling of some kind tend to him. That she's bringing him tea personally. Mm -hmm. And greeting him personally. That's not something you see in the world from an equivalent of hers. You know, like the head of a company or the head doctor at a clinic sort of thing. Yeah, I get that. And I also think she did that to ensure that she has a personal connection with Strange in order to get him on board. Mm -hmm. Well, that's going to throw him off balance too, making the personal connection in and of itself. Yeah. Yeah. So the premise of what she's telling him is. Very, very simple. And that's why Stephen Strange does not understand it. (laughs) Heal the spirit to heal the body. It's that simple. It's not easy, but it's simple. There's a difference. Yeah, and that is something I understand where he's coming from, because sometimes simple just seems too simple. It needs to be a little more complicated. Sometimes? (laughs) Sometimes? 
Uh-huh. Sure. We'll go with that. <laughs> so Strange is just pushing back, railing against this. I'm just sitting there rubbing my hands together like, yes, this is my jam. Yes, yes. I've done that chakra meditation. Yep. Acupuncture. Yep. See my doctor tomorrow. MRIs had a bunch of those. Mm-hmm. Put it all together, everybody. And throw it away. Well, it's it's really comes down to what she says, is that all those kinds of treatments could only see one part of a whole. And that huh. is the problem to its core with Western medicine is compartmentalization mm-hmm. rather than treating the whole person. And I don't even mean yeah. like walking into a doctor's office and I don't expect doctors to sit you down and have a meditation, but a lot of Western doctors don't even understand that our organs are connected to each other. Literally. Yeah, it's, it's hyper-focused. Yeah. So the ancient one knows him like a book as soon as he walks into this place because Stephen Strange, although he wouldn't know it, he would be horrified to know that he wears his emotions and his personality on his sleeve. Yeah, and he's a very specific type of person and it's easy to recognize that yes so instead of wasting time instead of arguing the ancient one gives him exactly what he needs and this oh and i'll never get overseed it for the first time pushing strange out of his body into mm-hmm. his astral form because <laughs> why tell when you can show it's so much easier yeah. Well, for her, sure. (laughs) Yes. But this is exactly what he needs. His will is too strong to be broken by any kind of talk, by looking at PowerPoints or God knows what else. He needs to be challenged in a way he never has before. And it also becomes the fish out of water trope done in one of the best ways you'll ever see. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he needs that major shock to the system to be open to even listening. Yep. What did you put in this tea? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, to be fair, I would think it was LSD or something, too. I mean, yeah. Who am I kidding? In my case, you could probably manage it with a little caffeine in a Xanax. It'll probably have the same effect on me. <laughs> Good to know. And this is our first real glimpse into the multiverse and it's awesome it is and it is so disorienting and so quick and like it's i think they did it in a fantastic way where not only is it disorienting for strange but it's disorienting for us as well yes we're with him we completely understand how he feels and you know we talked in our shang chi episode about how the visuals in that movie were very showy. Look how much money we can spend. Look how Mm -hmm. cool we can make this. And it was just big effects for the sake of big effects. Here we have the opposite. We have amazing visuals that actually further the plot that are important for the character and serve a purpose. Yes, it does. And side note... I don't know what he was going through at that point, like his heart rate was shooting up and all. I get that. I would love to experience that myself. That would be a trip. I'll watch you do it safely from the ground. 
Yeah, you can keep my heart rate in track. I'm good. <laughs> now me, I would come back to the sanctum just covered in vomit. <laughs> no, I mean the the part where he's like flying through the cosmos or something. Nope. It oh nope. oh, I would love to experience that. I don't know why, but that felt that seemed amazing. I'd probably so come he, back a Buddhist monk. Like, oh, we're we're nothing but a speck in the cosmos kind yeah. of thing. <laughs> I can't picture you ever no. Be a Buddhist monk? No. Yeah. I mean, I do follow Buddhism. Yeah, but you wouldn't give up your tech. No. So once Strange is finished with his jaunt, the ancient one brings him back into his body. You know, actually, when this whole scenario is happening, Mordo comments on Strange's heart rate being dangerously high. And she brings him back for a second and she says, he looks fine to me and sends him back. Uh It's kind of, I love that bit because one, it looks amazing. And secondly, that's kind of the thing that he does. He would do with his patients. It would make complete sense. And it's a power move. Yeah. Completely. She has every bit of power in that relationship. He is completely helpless. But, and this is another moment where again, I have tremendous respect for him and give him credit. He comes back. He doesn't turn tail and run. He doesn't pass out. He looks at her, looks insane, but still looks directly (laughs) at her and says, teach me. Yeah. See, my reaction would be, can we do that again? (laughs) (laughs) Who were you kidding? Who were you kidding? You were the most curious person on the planet who craves knowledge. You are very similar to Dr. Strange in some ways. And that's a big one. Yes, I would ask that after my second round. (laughs) But to be fair, I mean, I say that I probably would be a chicken. I would never actually do a second round because I don't even like going on roller coasters. Yeah. Yeah. But what does the ancient one do here? Kicks him out. Yeah. That was the smartest thing she could do. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if I was in his place, I'd be there for like 10 hours, not just five. Mm -hmm. Well, she had to see. That was part of the test. Yeah. How determined is he? Well, I think that was half of it, but she wasn't keen on letting him in. It's actually, ironically, Mordo who convinces her that Strange could be useful because she's worried about ending up with another Kaecilius. Yeah, see, when the movie came out, I bought that. But after Endgame, I'm not so sure. Well, here's another question. Is it also because she's worried Strange could be her downfall? She knew he was her downfall. She says it as much. Well, she said she saw this moment over and over again, but never got past it. Mm -hmm. So what I mean is it would put her secret at greater risk. Mm -hmm. Okay. But again, in Endgame, she already knew he would be Sorcerer Supreme. Right. Right. You're right. This is what makes her so enigmatic. Exactly. So even though... It seems like she's doing it because out of fear in this movie, after rewatching it after Endgame, I think it's more of a mind game 
to kick him out so that he doesn't take it for granted that he's just going to get what he wants. Mm-hmm. It's not only just a test for him to know how determined he is, but also to make him want it. Mm-hmm. And that's the crux of advertising, isn't it? Make people want something they don't need. In you this just case, had he to. Needs it. You just had, had to. to. Yes, I had to. Yes. Couldn't help yourself. Nope. God. And this is where the ancient one says something very important and God, so true. I think it's one of the best lines in the movie. She says it to Mordo. We never lose our demons. We only learn to live above them. True. Yeah. And that is a good place to stop right before Mr. Doctor is admitted into Comertage officially. Mm-hmm. Yes. Thanks to all you madams for joining us today. I'm Madam Chris. And I'm Madam Amy. Doctor Strange Part 2 is already in your feed, so no need to wait for a week. Yeah, see? We're nice. We don't make you guys wait for Part 2 the way Marvel makes us wait for almost three months for Multiverse of Madness. I'm fine. I'm fine. Speaking of Xanax, could somebody please send some to us? (laughs) In the meantime, please come enable me on Twitter and Instagram. In regards to the Multiverse of Madness trailer, come chat, guys, at Marvel Madams. She can't stop me. Oh, FYI, our passwords are changing. (laughs) And also, while we're discussing Multiverse of Madness, let us know your thoughts on this movie, too. Indeed. And for more content and a blog, check out our website, themarvelousmadams.com, where Infinity Stones are a girl's best friend. There was an interview. He did an interview. Uh, somebody was, and they asked him something about Hiddleston because because they're, you know, such good friends in real life. And they also live near each other. And Cumberbatch said, yeah, we have sleepovers on the weekends and sharpen each other's cheekbones. <laughs> I was fucking dying. <laughs> Hiddleston clearly does a better job at sharpening Cumberbatch's cheekbones. <laughs> like a cut glass. <laughs> <laughs>